Chapter 17. Relocation. Me not want to get you killed, Marl said. Listen, I know you really want to look after me, Marl, but I've been taking care of myself for a long time now. I've lived on the streets my whole life, Jade said. The giant rock did not budge. Jade knew Marl just wanted to keep her safe, but his overbearing parenting irked her to no end. Marie, can you talk sense to him? You know I can handle myself, said Jade. Don't look at me, Jade, said Marie. We still have a few hours till sundown, so Cameron's not going anywhere for a bit. Why don't we see what we can learn from the innkeeper? Also, keep quiet downstairs. I'm still not sure what's going on here, but there's an enchantment on this inn I haven't figured out yet. The threesome went downstairs and sat at the bar. Only a few patrons occupied the tables. Apparently, most of the Happy Smiles' business occurred at night. The plump innkeeper greeted them as they walked toward the bar. Well, good morning, or should I say good evening. Can I get you guys some fresh bread and pot roast? The smell from the kitchen washed over Jade, and she realized she was starving. They ordered three servings of the roast. Marl ate the man food without complaint. He could survive on just about anything. So, what are you doing in grandeur? The innkeeper asked. We're looking to set up a new business after running away from our last town, Marie said. Immediately, her attention snapped into place. She knew better than to blurt out information like that. What had just happened? Ah, trouble with the last town, I see, I see. Well, Grandjour is a great place for refugees. It has provided a second, third, or a tenth chance to many, she said with a smile. Marie looked right into the innkeeper's eyes. What's going on here? What do you mean? she asked. I know there's an enchantment here. What game are you playing? She said. Oh, that? First time in Grandjour. I'm an enchantress. And yes, I did place some enchantments on my inn. Uh, first, only the truth can be told here. Uh, try as they might, people are unable to lie while in my inn. I'm sorry if you uh, already admitted more than you wanted. <laughs> but uh, that's part of the benefit of being the innkeeper here, she said with a smile. <laughs> Marie said. Well, we really are looking to set up a new business. You must be. You said so in my inn. Thus, it is the truth, Esmeralda countered. Oh, right. Listen, I can tell you have been burned in the past, but please let me assure you, what you want to do is to talk with the dad, Esmeralda said. What's a dad? The dat, the dictator at the time, D-A-T-T. The dat is uh, the person who keeps the country in order, but uh, I think just keeping the city from imploding is uh, more than enough work, she said. A dictator? We've had a few bad ones in the past, though Solomon has been here for a few decades now. But, uh, well, he's the best one we've had in centuries, if you want my opinion. He takes great interest in uh, people setting up new businesses. He met with me before I set up this shop. I told him my idea, and he recommended setting up right here. I thought he was an idiot, but nonetheless, I followed his advice. 
Why not here? Well, this is a busy area for thieves, assassins, wizards, and all sorts of shady people. I thought that none of them would want an inn that required honesty. Yet, it seems that it is the perfect meeting place for people who are always suspicious of others. Uh, I mean, honest merchants don't need to go to a place that guarantees honesty. It is the suspicious who needs places like this. Not to mention the fact that some really shady people just happen to be some of the wealthiest people around. As it turns out, I have done quite well. Interesting. How do I schedule a meeting with this dad? You splurg him a message, she said. Marie looked at her blankly. Have you seen the mud troughs running along the main road? Yes. Those are the splurgs. The mudmen, they moved into the city shortly after this dat came to power. The dat allowed them in only if they would get honest jobs and work hard. They suggested setting up the mudways. The mudways? Those troughs through the city span all the main roads. A splurg can go from one area to the next in a blink of an eye. It makes communication over great distances of the city incredibly easy. I don't know how they got along without the splurgs before they were here. All you do is block the mud flow and one will appear. For a copper, he will bring a message to anyone along the mudway. Just tell the splurgs what you want and he'll get the message there in seconds. Wow. That dad must get a lot of messages, Marie asked. He probably has a fleet of servants filtering the messages for him, but he always gets the important ones. Esmeralda, a man called from the door, followed by several sneezes. Excuse me a minute, she said to Marie while walking to the other edge of the bar. She faced the man who had just walked in. What do you want, Waddell? You see, mullet, he asked, sniffing loudly and wiping his nose. No, last I heard he was playing chess at gummies. What do you need him for? Uh, There's some pixie place that's holding a, holding a, holding a, holding a turno tonight. They'll let any two, any two who want to fight. Duel for a huge diamond necklace. They ain't got no entrance fee. Something about a a promotion or a god guard contest. I I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that, is that, is that, is that I need a good second so we can win that necklace. It's going to be worth a load of gold. Easy. Marie's ears perked at that. The long trip had drained much of the reserves. Any twosome can enter this tournament? Marie asked. Uh, uh, sure, lady, uh, but, but, but it'll be pretty rough. Your buddy here might be uh, good in a fight, but, 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 but I think some really tough people will, will be there, he said. When is it? Ah, uh, uh, a sundown uh, at the field across from Blackjack's oddities. Uh, across, yeah, yeah, by, by Blackjack's, he said. S, 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 if you see Mullet, t- 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 tell, him, tell him that I'm looking for him. If I see him, I will let him know. But you realize if he fights, it will be with Kevin. Just because Mullet beat you in chess a few times doesn't mean he wants to get pummeled with you in a fight, she said. The man ignored her comments. He grunted a response which was interrupted by sneezing. He then slipped back into the street. They heard a distant sound of someone losing their lunch. Marie looked at Marl. What do you think? You up for some sparring practice? Me not let you down, he said. Jade grumbled. I can't go out and explore the streets, but he gets to fight everyone in sight? Sure, that's fair. Marie glared at Jade, but it was too late. Esmeralda let out a gasp. Oh my, oh my, this isn't your daughter. This isn't your daughter at all. Marie eyed the innkeeper. You work in a place that sees every sort of low life imaginable, right? So I'll have to assume you can keep a secret, she said. Of course.
Esmeralda said. I'll assume you can feel what I can feel as well. Of course. Anyone with a glint of talent could sense it the second she talked. Oh, my goodness, child, have you decided? She hasn't decided yet, Marie said, and we're not deciding for her. Jade is a bright kid. We figured the best way for her to decide is to let her choose for herself. Anyone want to clue me in as to what the heck you're talking about? Jade said. Oh, child, you could go into anything. (gasps) Well, I suppose you're right. It should be her choice, considering I practiced as an enchantress only for a short time before changing careers and becoming an innkeeper. Uh, It is only fair. Yes, yes. Having it be her choice is really the best way, she said. Thanks, Jade said, glancing at Marie with one eyebrow raised. They finished their meals and went to the mud trough in the front of the inn. It looked like normal mud, except that it flowed in both directions at the same time. The right side of the trough flowed toward the entrance of town. The left side flowed toward the inner city. At the corner of the happy smile was a large wooden slab. In the trough of mud was a slot that looked like a perfect fit. An iron chain attached to the wood prevented someone from stealing it. Jade grabbed the piece of wood and gently slid it into the slot. She pushed down on the wood, but it only slid in a little bit. The mud sloshed over the slot and continued its course in both directions. The mud bent around the slot, actually hovering over the ground, but it continued on its course. Though it hovered around the sides, not a drop of mud landed on the ground. On the other edge of the porch of the happy smile, Jade saw a creature approaching. It looked like a giant spider, but it wore short pants with eight legs and had a beret on its head. Jade hid behind Marie. The creature scuttled up to the trough, leaned over, and then slammed the wood into the slot with a thunk. Takes a bit of muscles, ma'am, said the spider. It then tipped its hat and went on its way down the street. Jade released the breath she had been holding and shuddered. Thanks, she said, long after the spider was out of earshot. She yelped as a voice spoke right behind her. What's up, brah? said the mudman that had appeared. Ah! said Jade. What's up? You dudettes need something? said the mudman. Yes, said Marie, who collected herself first. This was the way to get a hold of the splurg. Apparently, they appeared quite quickly when summoned. We would like to start a business in grandeur, and we were told that we should meet with the dictator first. Totally, totally, said the mudman. You got a copper for the message to the dat dudette? Um, yes, said Marie, as she dropped a copper into the outstretched blob of mud, which she assumed was the creature's hand. The coin slowly disappeared into the mud. Thanks, brah. I'll get it to him post-haste. It then lifted the piece of wood that obstructed the mud flow. The wood swung next to the trough, and the splurg disappeared into the trough. Jade watched as a small rise in mud zoomed down the mudways and vanished in less than a second. Well, that was easy, I guess, said Jade. I wonder how we'll know if we can meet with them. I'm not sure, said Marie, as they walked back to the inn. Where's Marl? she asked. They saw him on the other side of the street speaking to a wood troll. It appeared that Marl had gotten over his earlier nervousness about being in a city. A voice surprised them from behind. All righty, dudes. They turned to see that the mudman had reappeared. The dad says someone will come in 20 minutes. What? Already? But, But how did he get the message? The smear of dripping mud looked confused. You just asked me to give him a message. You wanted a meeting, right, O? You got your meeting. Well, give him points for efficiency, Jade said. 
Where, where are we supposed to meet this person? Marie asked. Here, of course. <laughs> they all like Esmeralda's place. He'll like totally be here in 20. Speak at you later, said the mud man. He then disappeared back into the trough of mud. Jade was laughing. <laughs> I love this place. Let's see what the dictator has to say before we jump to conclusions, Marie answered. Jade saw Marlt still talking to the wood troll. They spoke in harsh, guttural tones. All Jade heard was, A short time later, Marl walked back over. Nice guy. He want me to be with him in fight. Me have to tell that me got man thing to fight with. He sad, but glad to meet new troll in town. Me not see wood troll for a long time. Most trolls just want to bash. This place not same at all. Nice to meet said Marl. Aren't we all just making so many friends today, Marie said. The group went back inside and joined Cameron, who was having breakfast at the table. Marie gave him a quick update of their activities. They sat in a corner without any possibility of direct sunlight. It was second nature to pick such places. Marie, Jade, and Marl had nervously been watching the door ever since they sat down. Waiting for a dictator could make anyone nervous. Cameron, as always, seemed at ease. Eighteen minutes after sending their message via the splurg, a man dressed in black with a pointy goatee and thick black hair entered the happy smile. The man went directly to Esmeralda and gave her a big hug. She poured him a wine glass of clear liquid, and he walked directly toward their table and sat down. Hello, ladies, and the rest. I'm Loman. How can I help you? said the man. Are you the dictator's assistant? asked Cameron. Oh, heavens no, the assistants are much too busy to leave the castle during the day, said the man. But you are here representing him, right? asked Marie. Correct. All but Cameron seemed disheartened by this. From what I was told, you are interested in doing business in grandeur. What type of business would you offer? asked Loman. A medical office, Cameron said. The man paused and looked thoughtfully at the group. What qualifications do you have? Well, four years of medical training and a three-year residency over at... The man interrupted him. Yes, yes, fine. A simple, I'm actually a doctor would do. Here in Grandeur, we have hundreds of medical businesses. Most sell fake cures, panaceas, and placebos to the ignorant. It might be interesting if one clinic had a person who actually knew what he was doing. Thank you, said Cameron. No problem. Where? Here, here in Grandeur, Marie answered. Grandeur's a pretty big place. Would you be averse to me suggesting a location? He asked. Suggest a way, Marie said. I know of an abandoned building located on the main road. It would set you up across the street from a spirit healer, but that should not be a problem. As a doctor, I expect you would have a different approach to medicine other than screaming at disease. After all, grandeurs never short on injured or sick people. And why would you go out of your way to help us out so much? Marie asked. Well, what I am proposing is a bit of a symbiotic relationship. We help you, you help Granger. You pay us back and everyone wins. The dat would rather set up a business that adds value to Granger than another snake oil salesman out to steal dreams. There's too much snake oil going around these days. I mean, seriously, how much oil does one person really need? Truly, Cameron said. So you accept the offer? He asked. The price? Cameron asked. Well, you'll have to buy the property, but since the previous occupants left the building without selling it to anyone else, it, of course, belongs to the governing body at the time. 
Five gold rents you the building for the year, but you have to take it as is, said the man. Cameron paused and looked over at Esmeralda. Miss, would you take this deal if it was offered to you? He asked. Absolutely. I have learned to trust that, especially in regard to offers about businesses in grandeur, she answered. Okay, deal. But if we get to the building and find the offer unacceptable, Cameron asked, you may refuse the deal any time in the first month. Just let the splurg know, but no other deal will be made, said the man. Sounds fair, Cameron answered. I don't know if we could have asked for anything more. Oh, you could have, but you wouldn't have gotten it. Your first payment will be due at the end of next month. Here's the address. Good luck and welcome to Granger, said the man. They shook hands and the man left. Cameron rarely went out in the daylight for obvious reasons. Becoming a giant stone statue until the following midnight really put a damper on the day's activities. He remained fully conscious the entire time he was a statue, which sometimes worked to his advantage. A statue often can obtain secrets if in the right location. But the drawbacks greatly outweighed the benefits. On top of that, turning to stone always had him craving fresh blood. He had devised a way to travel during daylight, since he realized that sometimes it was inevitable. Direct sunlight would change him to a statue very quickly. Sunlight through glass would cause him to change less quickly. As long as he had all his skin covered, he had little risk of turning to stone. Sunlight could permeate through just about any cloth, but Cameron had learned that a good druid robe covered just about everything. Granted, there were a few places one could dress in a full-length robe and not be seen as out of the ordinary, but Granger was one of those places. He had never actually tried out the costume, but... In theory, it seemed a sound idea. Marie, however, thought it was a stupid idea since she would be the one who would have to haul his stony body all over the place if the cloak did not work. Fortunately for both of them, the cloak worked. Cameron could see little through the dark mesh. Admittedly, when they finally did get to their new business location, he felt a bit stiff. This is it, he said with a smile as they walked in the door. Our new business and home. The foursome stopped and stared in silence. This building is a steaming pile of garbage, said Marie. The building was indeed a steaming pile of garbage. Large piles of waste with swarms of flies and crawling maggots buzzed angrily at the intruders. The air blurred with the atrocious stench of weeks of decaying refuse. Broken glass lay strewn all over the floor. It appeared that this building had been used as a storage location during garbage strikes. Large piles of rancid meat, leftover cabbage, and decaying fruit lay scattered throughout the large room. After a few seconds inside the building, all four quickly exited. I think I'm going to be sick, said Jade, who ran into the street to prove it. Oh, I don't know. I think with a few weeks' hard work, dedication, and a lot of love, we could upgrade this place to a dump, Marie said. How can we turn this into a medical office? Cameron asked to the sound of Jade retching. I guess I can understand now how the dat found it in his heart to spare us this building. If we only cleaned up the place, he would be ahead on the deal. By some miracle, if we turned it into anything profitable, the city would benefit. Though it really is in a great location, Marie said. They looked around and saw that the street teemed with all sorts of busy people who gave the reeking building a wide berth. Next door was a bustling restaurant wafting delicious aromas. Freshly baked bread could just be detected among the reek of decaying fish blasting from their building. What you all make noise for, 
asked Marl. Are you crazy? Doesn't that smell make you gag? Jade asked. She had pulled herself together from the other side of the street. Smell? What smell? He asked. Jade looked at him as if he was crazy, but then she looked again and noticed that, on his angular face, he really did not have nostrils. He had a flat beak that looked like a nose, but no actual nostrils were present. Oh, I think we just found a winner for cleanup duty, Jade said. Sorry, kiddo, Marie said. I need Marl. He and I need to do a little sparring, don't we? Time to sign up for that tournament. Try not to kill anyone, said Cameron. Don't worry about us. I think you guys are in greater danger staying near this building than we will be in the tournament, she said. Come on, Marl, let's go register. Marie and Marl then disappeared down the road. Cameron commented on how the sun was making him feel stiff and went back into the putrid building. Jade reluctantly followed, her nose buried in a rag. How is that fair? Jade asked. I mean, we get stuck cleaning and they get to have fun. Well, by fun, do you mean they get to risk their lives in a brutal tourney to make some money so that we can turn this dump into a clinic? Marie looked into the tournament and found out that the winners take home a prize worth enough gold to completely remake this place. If she wins, we may actually have a chance at setting up shop here. If she doesn't, well, it will take more than just hard work to turn this place into a functioning medical office. Marie may make light of her actions, but her motivation is for the whole group, not for any selfish reason, said Cameron. I guess, said Jade. Don't worry, we'll survive. Now, see if you can find a broom, Cameron said. Then he looked around again. On second thought, see if you can find a shovel. Thanks for listening to Chapter 17. Please tell your family, friends, and every known human on the planet about this podcast so that it can grow. And next Monday, another chapter will be coming out. See you then.